Our football team was like the kid that plays second French horn in the school band. We got to play better. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. He had shoulder surgery on his elbow. Shoulder, shoulder, shoulder surgery on his elbow. All the band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. Well, first of all, what kind of mythical powers does a Sun Devil have? We got to consider that. The kids are playing their tail off, and the coaches are screwing it up. If worms had machine guns, then birds wouldn't be scared of them. Down there, wide open's Gallon. They left him alone. Yeah, I don't know if anybody saw me trip on the way in. Did anybody see that? <laughs> A lesser athlete would have gone down. Hello, sports fans, and welcome back to First and Inches, your authority on everything college football. He's Patrick Smith. I'm Kevin Wise. We are sponsored by Milwaukee Tool, nothing but heavy duty. And this week, we have a great week 11 recap. We'll go over some games from the past weekend, talk a little bit about the college football rankings that were released yesterday, and if time permitting, get a little bit into some of the upcoming games. How are you today, Patrick? Kevin, I am great. I am ready to hop right into this. We're going to whiz through a bunch of stuff, rapid fire recap, rapid fire action, turning the eyes towards week 12. Let's do it, Kev. Yeah. So we'll first, you know, we will uh, take a look back at week 11, had some big games, had some great results that were uh, influential to the ultimate college football playoff here and to some championship um, matchups. So we'll kind of go by uh, the early slate back to the end of the night here, and we'll finish with um, UCLA's abysmal performance against Arizona. Uh, so first, um, in what can only be known as a Vegas knows all game, we get LSU coming off a huge win against Alabama in Baton Rouge, going to Arkansas. Wins 13-10, push on the Vegas spread, which I think most people believe um, was a little bit light. Pat, what were your thoughts here? Well, just in general, I mean, I, I think you hit it right on the head. A pretty impactful week of college football, and I don't think I really expected it to be. Didn't really start having much of an impact in this game. This game was boring. Um, caught the highlights at best. Uh, we had a lot of field goals. 3-0, uh, 3-3, 6-3. Um, so, honestly, you know, another Vegas knows all game. I wanted to stay away from this one. The line felt weird. The spread felt weird. This is a pretty big hangover spot for LSU. I think that's probably all this is. Arkansas is a pretty weird football team. They've always been pretty good in the trenches, having a bit of a down year this year. But, you know, LSU's been through a gauntlet of games. Um, 
have looked the all the parts of a really good team throughout that gauntlet and you know I think they're afforded a little bit of uh you know a lapse in this one I you know I'm not sure this moves the needle much for me on LSU yeah I agree so I think one thing that's always overlooked in college football that really matters is home versus away games especially people who didn't actually watch the game if they quickly say oh man LSU only beat Arkansas by three you know, my personal belief is any win in conference you get on the road, unless it's truly a, um, you know, a bottom feeding team, a tradition that doesn't get any wins, um, no offense, but at Northwestern, um, team like that is uh, a spot that you can always get caught, especially com- coming off a big game. So a little bit of a clunker for LSU. I don't read too much into it. However, I will say um, if we are looking for kind of trap little spots here for LSU, I think they have a chance in two weeks to lose at Texas A&M. I'm just not that big of a believer in LSU. We'll get a little more of this in the college football uh, playoff rankings, but you know, good teams don't get blown out at home and they still got blown out by Tennessee. No matter how good Tennessee is, the sixth best team in the country doesn't lose by that much at home, you know, not in one of the first couple games of the season. So clunker for LSU, but um, ultimately I, I think that I don't want to say fraudulent, but I, I don't think that they, uh, I think they are definitely at least one, if not several steps below the top tier in the country here and um, might get a little bit of that SEC cooking um, at number six right now in the college football playoff ranking. Um, moving to the next one. Two quick. Yeah. Let me give you two quick rapid fire questions here on sure. LSU before we move on. Yeah. LSU, first question. Let's say they do win out. Let's say they uh, take it all the way straight through the SEC championship game. They're a two-loss team. They in or they out? Uh, they're out because, uh, well, actually, I think it depends on TCU. Yeah, yeah, sure, it depends, but you just got to take that all into account. I would, I, I would say they're out, um, and I would say they're out because I think that you can't move them in front of Georgia, with even if they beat them with the body of work, and you cannot – there's no way – See, LSU has the same problem that Oregon had, and that's they have a bottleneck right in front of them. LSU cannot jump Tennessee. There's nothing LSU can do to jump Tennessee. Tennessee crushed them at home. So you can't leave Tennessee out and put LSU in. That's the problem. And I think yep. they've, the, the, the committee's made that pretty clear. So for LSU to get in, Tennessee also needs to get in. So you need to have the only way that LSU's in is in a three SEC team scenario, and I think that's just a little too heavy-handed towards the SEC. All right, second question. How many losses do you think LSU ends the season with? Three. I think three is just the most likely number, um, but I think there is possible. Are you are you saying including the bowl game? Uh, no, sorry. Uh, including the SEC championship if they make it. Three. Three is the most likely number. I think, four is, I think four is more likely than two. All right. Why don't we move on to the next one? Kevin, always been here for the Fighting Irish, always been here for the dads has put it out there on these airwaves week after week. Kevin was absent last week, didn't get a chance to sit on his fighting Irish throne, didn't get a chance to shake down the thunder. So, Kevin, what do you have to say about the fighting Irish escaping a little bit of a scare against Navy winning 35-32? to 32? Um, uh, Again, this isn't like really a conference game, but it is a road game, so I give them a little bit of a pass here. Um, and again, I think this one matters if you watch the game or not. So Notre Dame was up, um, you know, 35, 13 at halftime, really in control of the game. Wasn't even in question. Did they kind of fall asleep at the wheel a little bit in the second half? Yeah. 
Only thing that would be concerning to me here is that I think Notre Dame's identity has really become kind of like Michigan's, where for the majority of the teams, we have a better offensive line, we have a better defensive line, and we're going to try to limit our mistakes and make you really prove that you can beat us. We're going to try to beat you up with a combination of running backs. And they didn't really do that in this game. Drew Pine had four touchdown passes, was throwing the ball a little bit better. I think it was a road game. They fell asleep at the wheel, a little bit of a clunker. In my opinion, I don't really learn anything about Notre Dame after this. They're the, they're the same team that I thought before the week. Yeah, you know, I think let's start off with the basics. I think Notre Dame deserves a lot of credit for playing a service academy as feisty and difficult to play every year as Navy is. Dude, I don't ever want to play Navy. Like going up against that triple option against a well-coached team who knows how to run it and you have to prepare for them in a completely different way than you prepare the rest of the entire season. That is a crummy thing to have to do. And Notre Dame does it every year and I think it's great. Um, So put that one out there. Second thing. um, Yeah, this game was lopsided half to half. I think in the second half, Notre Dame had 16 yards in the second half. And Maryland or uh, Maryland uh, Navy just destroyed them in the second half. But yeah, you know, I, I, I think my biggest takeaway is that I hope that this is a learning moment for Marcus Freeman. Um, I think he kind of lost the chess match in the second half of this game. I think he intentionally took his foot off the gas and did a little bit of what Michigan has done in the first half of some of its recent games and basically chosen that, you know, I think the way we lose this game is if we make a big mistake um, and we do it a couple times. Um, and so they play super conservative and Notre Dame totally took their foot off the gas. They basically did nothing the second half. Um, so, yeah, I, I would hope that he would learn from this a little bit. That's not really the way you close teams out. There's there's ways of reducing your risk without completely depleting what you do as an offensive football team. Um, so I think Notre Dame looked bad in the second half, but I agree with you. I, you know, I think they're a pretty good team and um i think navy is a tough team to play especially at navy yeah i mean mostly agreed um i think that it's kind of like as we are you know getting close to college uh basketball season here um navy is kind of like a less talented syracuse for those of you who watch college basketball in the sense that every time you play syracuse you're going to get a little bit of a different defensive look and over the course of the whole season it's just really hard to cram everything you need into that week which is traditionally why you know, um, Syracuse, even when they're less talented, makes runs in the NCAA tournament. Um, it would be kind of be like, you know, if Navy ever had a really talented team, they would be very difficult in, in uh, a college football playoff, even if they made it in at number 12, for example. Um, one final point on uh, Notre Dame is I would be on the lookout. I wouldn't say right now that I would pick Notre Dame to win uh, in the Coliseum, but what I would say is that I would keep a very close eye on these games in the next couple weeks. Why do I say that? Because Notre Dame has proven they are inconsistent, and sometimes that inconsistency in an odd, on an odd way, can, in my opinion, can almost lead to like you um, not understanding the magnitude of the situation and the environment. I'm not implying that um, you know playing at Chapel Hill is the same as playing in the Coliseum. But right now, Notre Dame realistically has one of the better wins in college football. They're the only team that beat North Carolina, and they did it on the road, and they did it pretty handily. So I I think that – and then when you look at the composition of the teams, you talk about a really good quarterback who can run a little bit, 
on the road, bad defense, you could possibly take advantage of on the ground and kind of bully them. That's kind of USC. So I would just be on the lookout that Notre Dame has proven that they can make something happen against a team that is built similarly to USC. I think USC probably has a more talented roster across the board than North Carolina does in terms of recruits and talent, if you believe in that kind of stuff. But I would keep that in mind. I think that game only looks more and more interesting as we get closer to the end of the year. And you know the Cultural Playoff Committee is going to want if Notre Dame remains undefeated, they're going to they're going to bump them up as high as they can. We might even get a you might see Notre Dame sniff the top ten before that game. Oh God, we've got Michigan at Ohio. You know Michigan at Ohio State the same weekend as Notre Dame against USC. Oh my God, huge weekend. So I I can see you I can see the that committee is going to go planting their seeds. Yeah, I can Letting I can them see grow. That. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know. We'll see how I feel in the moment, but I think I kind of like Notre Dame in that game. Uh, yeah. Notre Dame's a pretty good team. Uh, why don't we go through a couple other things, see if you have any thoughts on them. Uh, Maryland went on the road to Penn State, uh, got dummied, 30-0. Uh, to zero. Thoughts? Yeah, um, this, is, this will come up a little bit later. Um, you know, the, in my opinion, the committee has a Penn State problem. Because um, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out definitively how Alabama and um, Utah are better than Penn State. Um, I think that I think Penn State is a really good team. I think they have really uh, hit their stride in terms of throwing the ball down the field a little bit more. They've got players. They've got guys on defense. Um, they obviously have the two talented running backs. Um, I just think Penn State hit a tough part of their schedule where they got punched in the mouth back-to-back weeks. I think Penn State's going to end up somewhere around 8th or ninth in the college football playoff rankings when everything is said and done because they're kind of sitting like Tennessee where they don't have any huge tests left and all they're going to do is have relatively straightforward wins, most likely, um, and then ride um, their, their playoff um, ranking go- going up. Um Sean Clifford's pretty solid quarterback. He he adds a little bit of that that running element, um, but he he has over ten thousand passing yards. You know, it's just he's a veteran presence in there. They have talented guys, um, kind of all over the place. I think Penn State's one of the more overrated teams in the country. If you if I were being honest, underrated. What you meant? Um, yeah, sorry, yes. sorry, underrated. Yeah, Thank completely you. agree. Penn State is a very good team on both sides of the ball now. Um, they handled Maryland in a way that Michigan really struggled to do. Uh, Penn State looks really good. Um, and I think that Penn State is going to win most of their games when James Franklin doesn't have the chance to get completely outcoached. Um, and there's only a couple teams in the conference that will do that to you. And Michigan's one of them. Agreed. Uh, yeah, and I don't think there's much more to take away from that game, especially on the Maryland side of the ball. Maryland was awful. Um, why don't we look to the SEC, maybe? Uh, Bama on the road at Ole Miss. Uh, close game, um, but comes away with the win, 30-24. to 24. Uh, Lane cannot get the train all the way across the finish line this year. Uh, thoughts on Bama and Ole Miss? Yeah, um... This will, you know, this take might come as a surprise to some of you if you listen 
a decent amount. I'm sure that all the SEC fans here think I'm just an SEC hater, but I think this is actually a really good win for Bama. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I wanted them to beat them by more. And um, this Old Miss team, again, top to bottom, is not as talented as Alabama is, but it was on the road at Old Miss. You know the Grove was rocking before this because just the way I feel, I'm sure they wanted to get their shot at Saban. Saban's down. Let's get him while we can. They've got a good run game. Jackson Dart is very limited in the pass game. I think we all know that. Um, Quinshawn Judkins for Old Miss is a true freshman. You know, definitely one of the top three running backs in the SEC. Probably one of the top 10 or 15 running backs in the country. Um, he's going to be a stud for a long time. He'll play on Sundays. Um, Zach Evans behind him is, is not um, a scrub either. So I think, you know, Alabama going in there, getting the win. They were down early, um, kind of fighting back. I actually thought this was a pretty good win. Um, one of the better wins that Alabama has um, on their schedule. So uh, I do think that Old Miss is a, is a little juiced up. I thought that even before this game uh, in terms of I'm not sure why, you know, they were ranked uh, so highly. But um, again, I would look at even before this game, I look at Old Miss and I'd be like Penn State, I think, would just give it to Old Miss on a neutral site, on a neutral site. Agreed, um, agreed, agreed. Pat, let me let me ask you this: Who uh, before this game? What was Alabama's best win? Um, man, since the committee loves that question, what's Alabama's best win? Everyone's yeah. measured against Alabama. Let me t- tell me what their best win was, dude. I mean, they don't have a great one. It's like I guess uh, Arkansas. Five Texas? and five, five and five, Arkansas, Texas, Texas by one when they should, they might have, maybe should have lost. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess is, you could I say think... blowing out Mississippi State, maybe. I'm not that impressed by that, but Dude, home, I mean, I'm not so... impressed by any of it. Yeah, Vanderbilt. So, so I Vanderbilt you know, got a I guess my point kind of is again. This goes back to that you know the kind of the SEC bias thing here is I want someone to say so. You know, by um by just what they've done, the strongest part of Bama are their losses. I'll give them that. In terms of a two-loss team, they have the strongest losses. Losing by three on the road at Tennessee, you could argue that maybe they're a little better than Tennessee is. Tennessee had the home field advantage, had everything cooking, and only beat them by three. Bama could have won that missed game. The, Alabama missed the field goal yeah. with a chance yeah. to win. So Bama could have won that game. And then, you know, you could argue that Alabama could have won at LSU. But here we're sitting, this team that's, you know, eighth in the country, and we're saying, oh, their two best performances are probably their losses. So I think Ole Miss really needed to, I mean, Bama really needed to get this one at Ole Miss to kind of put a feather in their cap and say, hey, here's our here's our good win. Um, Dude, I could go on and on and on about the weird SEC gravity. So why is, so like now look at where Ole Miss is ranked. What like so? Ole Miss is ranked there because of their win over Alabama, who is ranked there for no reason at all. And yeah, exactly. Tennessee's feather in their cap win is a couple point win over a team that shouldn't be in the top ten at all. And like, it's just all this little circle, and it just spins and it yeah. spins and it spins. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, and we'll talk about the whole rankings and where everything shakes out. And you know, like I said, I I do have a little rant in coming about that, but. I think that this this is a this I think Alabama needed this. Like people were talking about, oh, dynasty's over, all, all this stuff. You know, time will tell. 
but this would have been like the like you really put the stake through the heart and like wow like you know Saban bleeds just like the rest of us if they would have lost this one so on the road good win needed that win you know Saban doesn't like Kiffin we all know that that's no surprise he was he was gonna if he didn't pull this one out because you knew you knew he wanted to then I was be like wow man really maybe Bama is on the the downward spiral here all right, all these games with meaningless teams. Let's get into some games that actually might have shaken up the college football playoff landscape. Uh, they all came late night. Um, I think one of them ended past midnight on the East Coast. Uh, why don't we talk about, I don't know, why don't we go Washington at Oregon? Um, Washington with a massive upset there. Uh, looked like a great football team. Um, did everything right in this game and just edged Oregon 37-34. Yeah. So, again, I'll start here just so my mentions uh, and, you know, my phone and everything doesn't get quacked to death. But I, I get it. The end of the game was very weird. I'll give you that. Um, you know, Bo Nix uh, has this odd um, kind of phantom injury where he's on the sideline looking pretty okay. Ty Thompson comes back into the game who – if you don't know, Ty Thompson was a pretty, you know, highly recruited player, but hasn't really panned out like that. And Bo Nix is obviously having a Heisman type season. That's a big loss for, you know, comes in for that possession. They go for it on fourth and, you know, whatever it was, but it was on their own 35 yard line, basically giving the ball right back to Washington. The reason they, the reason they even have to go for it on fourth down is because of this weird call on Troy Franklin, who's the best wide receiver for Oregon, where he basically was like kind of out of bounds, you know, like he was out of bounds returns to play, catches the ball, makes an amazing catch. And, you know, they throw the flag. It's kind of one of those flags that I bet could be called in way more plays, but isn't. And it was an amazing play. So that hurts. If it were my team, I'd be upset about that. So I, yeah, get that. I would have been upset too. That's I a get, tough one. I get that. It's a tough, it's a, it's about as close of a loss to a win as you can get. That being said, all of that being said, you played at home. If this were a road game and this happened, I could overlook it a little bit more. But the whole week, all I heard is about the home winning streak at Oregon and how Oregon's juiced up at home and they don't lose they don't lose home games. I think Washington's a solid team. They're no Penn State. You talk about two losses. They are no Penn they're, State. They're no Penn State. And you, at best, if you get a couple calls that go your way, you come away with a close win. Even if that guy makes that catch, you might you might then have another three and out. They might get the ball back and still win the game. So we don't know. Those were some tough calls. I'd be upset if I were a fan of that team. However, you lost it at home. You guys got to get moved back out of the rankings, you know. And to me, like Oregon had this coming. I I was never I convinced it. that Oregon was this powerhouse. Um, again, a little too much instability for me. New coach, new quarterback. Quarterback has proven that he has flashes at Auburn, but then has has these bad games. Um, I was always kind of waiting on that, and I I, just, I think their roster wasn't retooled that much in the offseason to all of a sudden become this amazing team. That was my opinion on Oregon, so I wasn't that shocked that, that they had some trouble here. Yeah, I think uh, that's a really tough call on the sideline. I mean, he did kind he did mostly go out of bounds on his own, it, and it's just kind of tough. Um, I, yeah, I would right there with you. I would be pretty upset if I was an Oregon duck. Um, but 
yeah, this is a game that Oregon had to win. Oregon had everything in front of them, the college football playoffs, the Pac-12 championship. It was all on the line, and, man, they just did not show up. They laid an egg in a really big spot. This should have been a two-score comfortable win for Oregon. Um, I don't get how you can go for it there in your own territory. I, I punt the ball. Um, your quarterback is out. The other guy is in. It, and you're, like, so clear that they're going to run the ball. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it was interesting. I didn't. Uh, I didn't see a post-game presser, and if they asked him about that and why he made that decision, I'm not sure that it really matters. I mean, what's he really going to say? Um, you know, I'm sure he would say that he thought that play gave them the best chance to win the game. Um, the only thing I can think of is – I just um, don't it, know. He's got to be nervous about Michael Penix is the only thing. He just doesn't want to give the ball back to him. That's the only thing I can think of. I guess, but I, they, everyone on the field knew the play. Like, their quarterback isn't in. It's a must – run like they they're running the ball everyone knew and they just get mobbed like I don't know how that play in that spot when the whole stadium knows what's coming it gives you the best chance to win yeah like I think all the analytics probably say this is a go for it spot but this is where you got to like use your head a little bit and just realize like we don't have that guy on the field yeah yeah I think that you know and there's always just like any just like any kind of research or any study you read, right? There's always going to be limitations and bias and stuff, and you can't account for every single variable. You know, like how, how do they do the analytics on? Hey, by the way, uh, your Heisman winning your your possible Heisman winning quarterback is on the sideline, who by the way has like 13 rushing touchdowns. I saw that, I couldn't believe it. Bo yeah, Nick and they like need the sixth number most rushing touchdowns in the country. He's not even playing. Um, you're on your own 30 35 ish area. Um. I don't know. Uh, tough, tough look. Um, I think yeah, I mean, like, is a good coach overall, and they have a great future, but that's a tough call right there. It's just really tough. Like, if you got Bo Nix in there, he just falls forward for a yard. Like, I get it. Go for it if Bo's under center. Like, he he's, what, 200 pounds? Like, just let him get a yard for you. Sure. Like, he's good at that. But he's not there. Like, you're running a play with a guy who's never been in this spot. Everyone knows what you're doing. I don't know. That one I think hurts. And I, I just felt like the game, you're just giving it away there. Like you just handed the victory. Um, why don't we move on? Um, who do you want to talk about next, Kev? Uh, the next one, I, I mean, you know what, let's, we'll, we'll keep with the pack 12 here. Um, for me, this was kind of the week of the pack 12, you know, they said they cannibalize each other. You know what that that usually means that they're all about equal. That when that happens in a conference, what it normally means is there's not really a spread between the teams that you know are at the top and at least at the middle. Occasionally, even at the bottom. But I think at least for the top and the middle, you know, it's like the the teams at the top aren't aren't truly that elite. I felt this way about the Pac-12 the whole season. That's why I think Notre Dame might go and do it at USC. I don't know if I'm going to pick them yet, but I think it's trending that way. So I wasn't surprised by the Oregon result. I was surprised by the UCLA result, however. This is a big deal. Um, and I think that sometimes what hurts the Pac-12 can also help the Pac-12. Because I haven't heard this talked about a lot. And I think we should just break down a little bit how bad of a loss this was. So... 
people were talking about, um, which I agreed with at the time, that last week that you know UCLA should probably have been ahead of USC. UCLA has better wins. They have the same record. What they don't have is a brand. Okay, you know UCLA doesn't sell in football the way USC does. I don't think anybody would deny that. I grew up watching Reggie Bush. I grew up watching Matt Leinart. I thought they were electric, just like everyone else did. I totally get that. Okay, what I think about with UCLA, I think about John Wooden. Okay, and I think about people playing on the hardwood, not in the gridiron. So UCLA is a little bit disrespected. They've got a good offense. You know, Dorian Thompson Robinson and um, Zach Charbonnet have a, are a pretty dynamic one-two punch there in the backfield. Arizona comes to town, losing record in the Pac-12, can do some, some stuff in the passing game, but it's at home. It's in the Rose Bowl. You are on, you are arguably fighting for a, a position in the college football playoff. And you lose to Arizona. A this bad is an, Arizona. This is this is inexcusable. I mean, this I did not see this coming. I thought these all these teams would, would probably end up with at least two losses, but not like this. So, you know, US uh, UCLA got to be completely out. Um, I, and I, I just can't figure out the. This was probably the most shocking result for me of the weekend. Kind of came sure. out. Of nowhere came out of nowhere. I didn't I didn't think UCLA was a great football team. Um but before this game, Arizona was 3 and 6. 3 and 6. They've got a couple good wideouts, Jacob Cowing being one of them, who only had one catch for 1 yard. I mean, I don't know, somebody explain it to me. I um in Sharpen still had a huge game. So um I I, I don't know. My my thoughts I think I think the same thing about the um, Pac-12 that I think about kind of the the Big 12, and I think that everyone is everyone tried to pump both of these conferences specifically up and say, look, they're so deep, they're so deep. Pac-12 at the top is USC, UCLA, Oregon, one of those three, you know. Then in even Utah, maybe even though they already have two losses, and then you've got you know Washington State in the beginning of the year was was pretty good after they beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin. Eh, that doesn't mean much. Um, and, oh, my gosh, Oregon State. No, it just means that basically all of these teams are maybe slightly above average college teams um, because what happens when you're not that good of a team, you're inconsistent. That's the only way to explain this is that UCLA just isn't isn't that good. You know, good teams don't lose to three and six teams at home. Yeah, tough game for Jed Fish. Uh, tough, tough loss for UCLA. Came in. 20 point favorites at one point get beat outright at home when you're in contention for just about everything after you're screaming and yelling and moaning to get the respect you deserve in the rankings and then you just lay an absolute dud and lose to a really bad team um but I guess, like, let's give Arizona the credit they deserved. Arizona didn't look bad in this game. Um, I'm not sure how many people watched this game. This game ended late. Um, I watched a little of this game because I was post-Michigan victory celebrating in Ann Arbor, and I uh, got to take it all in. But um, Arizona had a lot of great players in this game. Uh, Jaden Delora was an absolute dude. I think he had, like, six incompletions through for 300-plus yards. Uh, outdueled Dorian Florian in this one. Um, and uh, Jacob Cowing, their receiver, had like 120 yards, nine catches, 
Um, they just moved the ball pretty easily in moments on UCLA. And at, like throughout most of the game, I mean, UCLA, it always felt like UCLA was like going to claw back, but Arizona just beat them kind of, kind of throughout the game. Yeah. And thank you for, thank you for the correction there. Yeah. Cowing is one of their, one of their big time wideouts and he's did have a monster game, nine grabs, 118 yards. Um, I incorrectly, sorry, I was talking about McMillan, who's their freshman. He had one grab, which was for 17 yards, but that was a touchdown. So, um, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And, um, you know, so what, what will naturally happen now, um, given the PAC 12 is that USC will go lose at UCLA this coming weekend. That's how I would love it. It'd be perfect. Yep. Okay. Let's, uh, so let's move now to, um, a conference. uh, before we do that, yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, I just realized I totally flip-flopped the coaches. Uh, great win for Jed. Finch. Yeah, we know what uh, you meant. We know what you meant. Yeah, my boy Jed. Sorry, Jed. Yeah, Sorry, yeah Jed. I knew I knew what you meant when you my said My guy Jed. Come on, Jed. Let's go, Jed. Yeah. He's an up-and-comer for sure. Uh, he's doing pre- pretty good stuff with uh, the offense wherever he goes. I'm sure that you have like a little font spot in your heart for Michigan's offensive look with Jed Fish at the helm of that passing attack. Like they were throwing the ball around nice that year. I was real bummed when he left. I felt like they finally had the offense clicking. Um, now the offense has taken like a pretty different feel under Harbaugh and associated crew. Um, and I wouldn't trade Michigan's type of offense now for just about anything. I really love that ground and pound that Michigan and pretty much only Michigan can do. Uh, but shout out Jed fish, man. Our offense was electric with him. Yeah, great, great offensive mind, and I think now it's just um, seeing he also has some recruiting prowess. I know he's been able to get, um, you know, some of the, especially the quarterback recruits tend to like him. So we'll see if he can put together a whole program and a coaching staff and see if he can have some success there. Arizona, not the easiest place to win, so maybe he can use that as a stepping stone to, you know, put put together a couple seven or eight win seasons and get a little bigger job. Hey, started off with a pretty nice upset to start that train rolling. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, looking ahead um, – you know, all of a sudden, wow, here we are becoming a uh, Arizona football podcast. Um, but, you know, looking ahead, so they're four and six right now. Um, they play, they have Arizona State at home. Now, if they win that game and get to five and six, are they one of, I forget how this this rule works. Can they, or no, sorry, they have, that's, that's just, they should have two left. They have two home games, Washington State at home, Arizona State at home, possibly winnable. Jetfish um, going to a bowl game. They could, they you know, they could go to a bowl game. Um, they, they have that uh, possibility now. So I'm gonna go ahead and put it out there. Jetfish going to a bowl game. Yeah, we'll we'll take that. All right. So now you know. Let's transition to the conference that, in my opinion, is the exact same conference. Let's go from the Pac-12 to the Big 12. Yes. And same, same, to- but different. Yes. So, um, first one we can, I guess we'll start with the kind of marquee matchup here, whatever, uh, TCU, Texas, um, big brand, Texas. Yeah. Little, little brand TCU, um, with the hypno frog or whatever that thing is. Hypno toad. Hypno toad. Yeah. Sorry. Respect the hypno toad, Kev. It looks like, it looks like some Pokemon. I don't want to, I don't want us to have a problem here, man. Yeah. Respect the hypno toad, dude. Yeah, I mean the hypno toad uh, is 
superstition, if nothing else. It's undefeated, baby. It's on the big screen. It's in the stadium. The 12th man, the hypnotoad. Yeah, and all of a sudden, two guys who are, you know, admitted Big Ten homers were talking about it. So, TCU goes to Texas, underdogs again. They get the win. Um, I think most importantly here, uh, um, Quinton Johnston played. That was my biggest thing when going into this game. Now, why does one wide receiver necessarily matter that much? No. Yeah. I think it, I think they, I would argue no, but here's what I would say is when you're a team like TCU and you come into the season a little bit under the radar and all of a sudden you're beating all these guys and everyone's kind of hating on you and everyone says, Oh, you're getting lucky and you're playing all these close games. You look around the roster and you want guys on your team that you say, no, I have an NFL dude on this team. I have this elite player who can make a game-breaking play at any point, and that's Quentin Johnston. He's definitely the best player. He's the best talent on their team by far. I mean, this guy might be the first wide receiver off the board. He's a beast. He's he is a monster. He's an old-school 6'4", big, big body, go up and get it, still fast, break a tackle, kind of, you know, do anything kind of big outside wide receiver he's tough to guard dude he's a monster even if even if he doesn't play well I think they always need him out there because he's the real alpha type of guy who gives they feel like oh man like at least we've got if you don't suit him up you're like man maybe we are not big fast strong enough and we don't have our guy out there so when I saw he was playing I think that was a good thing um, I like the TCU one kind of a slugfest as opposed to a shootout. Um, but, you know, number one, I don't want to be a TCU hater. I think I learned more about Texas in this one, and that's that Texas isn't good. I don't, And I don't know where this Texas being good comes from. I'll tell you where I think it comes from. I think it's that they, they almost beat Bama early in the season, a Bama team that is now shown to not be that good. Um, I'll tell you where I think it comes from. I think it comes from people thinking Quinn Ewers is really good. And guess what? He's not, he's not, he looked very bad. Yes. He now I'll say this. And part of the thing I think is Quinn Ewers, obviously hyped recruit, um, has had a couple moments, you know, looked good early against Alabama. And yes, when he throws it, it is beautiful. There is zip, and it it looks like a pro quarterback. The way the ball comes out of his hand, I'll give you that. But when it's being caught by a defensive back on the other team, I don't really care as much. And that's what was happening against TCU. Balls were going to the defensive backs. Balls were going to personnel on the sidelines. Um, balls were going way over the wide receiver, way under the wide receiver, way behind the wide receiver. He missed wide receivers in every possible way. He looked yeah. like he could not be the best quarterback on their roster. <laughs> like, he looked so bad. Yeah, and again, what's the hallmark of a team that's really not that good in consistency? So that's what Texas is to me. They might have some players. Um, they have some talent. Uh, they are a ways away right now. Um, and honestly, I start to question a little bit Sark. Um, because what I don't get is uh, TCU has not had a great run defense this year. And I would say you could even make an argument, and this is coming from a Michigan fan, that Bijan Robinson is one of, if not the best, running backs in college football. And he had 12 carries in this game 
for 29 yards. He's a dog. At home. Bijan is very good. Behind yeah. Blake, but very good. I just don't I, – so I don't, I don't get that. Um, I think Texas is – I think Texas is a little phony. I think TCU is, has done what, what it's had to do, though. So, I mean, again, I, I just think that let's stop, you know, let's stop acting like Texas is good because because they're not. Um, this season with Texas has been one of the biggest kind of homer um, uh, brand biases I can remember with Texas. It's, this, it's just – it's crazy to me that they're uh, – this – Pat, did you know this week in the AP poll voting, Texas was 27th? Like if they didn't cut it off at twenty five, they they were they were twenty they are at twenty seventh. Unbelievable. I why? Can't believe it. Why? No, I I genuinely don't I don't know why. It doesn't make it. sense. I mean, yeah, Quinn Ewers looked terrible. Texas looked poorly coached, but I do have some takeaways on TCU in this game. TCU mm-hmm. has a dang defense, dude. Their defense looked great. They were running around. They harassed Ewers. They got after the quarterback. Um, I think it was really nice to see TCU win in a way that they hadn't before. And like, yes, they had been in close games. They had won close games. We all know that. But they hadn't won because of their defense. They hadn't won games because their offense couldn't get it done, like really couldn't find their footing in the game. Uh, The defense really legitimately won this game for TCU. The offense kind of just got carried on their back a little bit, put in decent situations. Um, and oh yeah, I, I thought I, I came away very impressed with TCU's defense. Um, and I, I can see a little bit more of a path to them winning games in different ways after this game. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think Texas is bad. Okay. So sticking in the, uh, phony 12, uh, we have Kansas state against Baylor. At Baylor, this wasn't a game. We don't need to talk about this too much, but Kansas State, you know, wins 31-3. to Will Howard comes in, clearly a better passer at quarterback, gives them a different dimension to their team. Baylor uh, can't, can't really figure them out, especially given their preseason expectations uh, were supposed to be pretty good. Um thought they might give uh, TCU a run for their money this, you know, next Saturday. Now that after this one is looking uh, a little bit worse, any, any major thoughts here on Baylor or Kansas state? I mean, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I don't really even want to talk about Baylor because I just don't know what to talk about. They're just like sometimes decent and sometimes like pretty dang bad. In uh, Kansas State, on the other side of the ball, sometimes they blow teams the hell out, and sometimes they look decent. Um, so, yeah, I, it's just like a random Big 12 game. I don't know. Uh, Kansas State looks pretty good. I agree with you. I think Will Howard makes them gives them another dimension, makes them look like a better offensive team uh, with a couple different ways to win. Um, but Baylor just kind of didn't show up, and Kansas State did, and that was the game. Yeah, we have a limited amount of time, so we're not going to belabor that anymore. Um, we'll we'll move on because then the major kind of conference alignment, Big Twelve stuff. We'll discuss that in just a second here. Um, last one I want to talk about real quick before we get into the play- thoughts about college football playoff. Uh, North Carolina goes in to Wake Forest, gets the win, 
36-34. Uh, one of UNC's better wins on this season. And um, just kind of the way they always win. Um, Drake May, one of the best players in the country. I think you can make a good argument that he's the best quarterback in the country, given what he has around him. Josh, you know, Josh Downs is a good wide out. I, I get that. But you talk about the line and, and everything else, um, run, running backs, he doesn't have the talent that other quarterbacks do. And it was at Wake Forest. Again, I think that's big. Um, 448 yards through the air, three touchdowns, 71 yards in the ground. Um I I wonder if Drake May would be the first pick in the draft if he were eligible this year. Drake May just looks really, really good. It's kind of unfair how good he looks for how young and immature of a player he is. He looks polished, can do it in a, like many different ways, is their best threat through the air and on the ground. Uh, man, he just looks like a dude out there. 519 yards of offense. Yeah, that's, that's some quick math for those of you listening at home. Um, it's just like he he does everything for them. Um, won the quarterback battle that it was a really fun one. And, uh, yeah, UNC chugs along. They still have some stuff in front of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't – so I don't think they have a – playoff appearance in front of them i know that i will say they i do think they are probably the lowest team that if crazy stuff happens could find their way in if they win out but i think that this it's not like they don't have anything to play for they still obviously have the conference championship to play play for and then i think that you know you get that win you make it to a new year six you get to the new year six and you get a win and you're you're building towards um a big big year for next year recruiting um and just, I think, overall momentum within the program. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't really think they'll make it, but uh, it would be fun if they beat Clemson again. Yeah. And I think they have a chance. Okay. Let's move into our thoughts here since this is Wednesday. and obviously Let me hit you with one more. Yeah, yeah. One more little bonus. I don't have much game to break down. All I have to say to UCF is how dare you? How dare you ruin the green waves roll? I was having a lot of fun with it. Shout out Ty J Spears had like six carries for like a bajillion yards. Um, but I'm just, you know, I'm really sad. My green wave, that little green wave in my heart hurts. And UCF, just how friggin' dare you? He had a, he had a six carries for a bajillion yards. That's a, a bajillion divided by six per carry. For those of you doing the math at home, NFL stud. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll do a real. So, only takeaway I have from this one, real quick. Um, obviously, uh, John Rice Plumley, um, ab- absolute stud. Uh, old Miss transfer, uh, I believe. Is Gus Malzahn 
who some of you may remember, head coach for Auburn when Cam Newton was there, won a championship, then basically just had some absolute stinker teams. Now winning again with another running quarterback. Does Gus Malzahn use this season to parlay himself back into another bigger job? I don't think Auburn's going to hire him before someone brings that up. But does he use this as a stepping stone to get back to a power five? And if he does, can he be good? Or is he going to be known as the coach who struck gold with Cam Newton coming from Florida and then John Rice Plummy coming from Old Miss? We'll see. But I think that's definitely the question. And I think that the jump, the transition thing depends on one thing. Does he finish out this season? Does he get the New Year's Six bid? And when he does, does he take it to one of the big boys? All right. Uh, you got any schools in mind? I don't, honestly. I think that the name is obviously Auburn that comes to mind. They're down. He had some success there. But I just I think the way he left, um, I just it seemed like Auburn really soured on him. And I, I don't think that I look at the other major jobs. Um, Wisconsin, what, what about Arizona State? That would be the one place I would say possibly just because I think that the um, sounds odd, but I think it is enough of a jump from UCF. I think that it is um, uh, the possibility it's in the power five, but the expectations are low enough that he doesn't have to come in and win nine games right away. You know, he can mess around with six, seven wins for a couple years and then try to get up there. Um, I don't think it will be Nebraska. I don't think it will be Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I don't think it will be Wisconsin or Nebraska. I think Wisconsin will be Jim Leonard. I think that Nebraska is going to try to get Lance Leipold. Um, I don't know if he can get out of, if he's going to get out of Kansas or not at that point, but that would be a huge jump for him in a couple of years. Arizona State's the only one that really makes any sense to me. All right, shall we talk a little college football playoff rankings? Of course, I mean supposedly these are the only things that matter now, right? It is what it is. All right, so uh, we'll we'll kind of list them off real quick here, so everyone probably knows the. The top, no real shakeups in the top. Georgia at one, Ohio State at two, Michigan at three, TCU at four. Tennessee comes in at five. Those were all the same as the prior week. LSU moves up to six. Uh, USC moves up to seven. Bama at eight. Clemson at nine. Utah jumps all the way up to 10. Uh, Penn State at 11. Oregon is down to 12. North Carolina up to 13. Old Miss down to 14. Kansas State up to 15. That makes them the highest three loss team UCLA goes all the way down to 16 Washington's right there at 17 uh by the way you see a, a thing with the committee you went ahead to head they, they won't jump them they, they seem pretty strong in their conviction there um at least when you have similar kind of records and resumes uh Notre Dame uh up to 18 Florida State up to 19 UCF uh after their win is at 20 Tulane down to 21 again notice what the committee does there uh, 22, Oklahoma State jumps back into, into the rankings. 23, Oregon State jumps back into the rankings. 24, NC State is still ranked. Make it make sense. And 25, uh, Cincinnati hops back in, giving uh, the group of five, three teams in the uh, top 25 from the playoff committee. Uh, Pat, do you want to take a stab at this year and tell me your general thoughts? Yeah, so... Uh, you know, I think the teams that dropped 
dropped appropriately. I I would have dropped UCLA a little more. Like I, I think I would have had Washington over UCLA at this point. I think I would have had maybe even Notre Dame over UCLA at this point. Um, that was just a really bad loss in my eyes. Um, but you can't Oregon, remember, even though it's funny, even though Washington plays UCLA at home, which is a known factor in outcomes of college football games, they will not put Washington above UCLA until UCLA takes another loss. They won't do it. Yep, you're right. Um, I, I still have no idea how Alabama, um, is where they are. I mean, like I get it. That's last week's conversation. They got a really big win. They got a good win. Their resume just doesn't stack up to me. Um, so I, I still have a problem with their placement at eight. Um, and then like, I don't know, USC at seven, (laughs) they're not the seventh best team in the country. They've got an okay resume. I get it. Like, who are you going to put above them? It gets a little dicey. Uh, so I guess the the placement is fine, but they're not the seventh best team in the country. And honestly, when I look at these rankings this year and I look at some of the teams between six and 15, um, a couple weeks ago, I felt like everything was wide open and there like was a like Georgia was the big dog. Tennessee might have been up there. Michigan and Ohio state were right there. And then there was like four other teams that were right there in terms of like, probably could compete. Um, and it really doesn't feel like that. It feels like there's four or five big teams this year that have a chance. Um, and I think just the rankings look a little funny. Like I kind of look them in the eye a little weird because those teams six to 10, I don't think they're all that good. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I think the committee clearly wants USC in there. Um, I would have to think that is the combination of brand plus location and thinking that we don't want the West Coast out of this Um, just because they've been so quick to – it feels like they're really pushing the envelope and how high can we put these Pac-12 teams like – when UCLA and Oregon were up there, it's like, wow, re- like really? We think that you guys are really convinced that Oregon's the sixth best team? Um, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I have a, a Pac-12 bias, but you know, I never really, uh, I never really thought that. Um, you know, this is probably overall the. So first of all, I completely agree with you. It feels like these teams like. How much better is LSU than? Oh, ironically, I was going to say that the you know some some team in the in the low in the end of the teens, but the team at the end of the teens is Florida State, and technically Florida State is better than LSU. Um, so yeah, I mean, I really don't think that any of these teams, really between like sixteen and nineteen, are, are that different. They're kind of like any given Saturday to me. Like I think Oregon could beat LSU. I think. Clemson could beat LSU. I think LSU could be either of them, you know? Yeah. I mean, I I think you see in that range there, a lot of teams that have kind of underperformed. I mean, Washington and Notre Dame both, I think could have been better teams this year. Um, Even could say that about Florida state. Um, And then you got teams like UCF and Tulane who don't play up to the competition all the time, but uh, have looked like very good football teams this year. And I, I would take 
any of those teams with a fighter's chance against uh, anybody LSU and below. Let me let me ask you this, Pat. If um, let's say hypothetically that USC played at Washington, who do you got? Hmm. Wow, that's a good one. Um, I think it would be really close, um, but I think I would just take the home team. Like, yeah. if I, I was betting, I, would, I guess, yeah. but like you know, like that is a game that I would feel would be so close, and either team could win. Yeah, if that's if that game is played at Washington, I'm taking Washington, like straight up. I don't need a spread or anything. That's I think that they probably have a better chance to win. And I think if you're when you're a really good team in this country, you know, that you should be able to at least instill, you know, the confidence that guess what? If I think if, if Georgia goes to Washington, I think Georgia's going to get them. Going to um, get them good. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's the difference is I, I really think even when like LSU goes to Washington, I'm not a huge believer in LSU. Honestly, I don't know. I, I just I think that. So. I'll just tell you a couple a couple of things I want sorted out here. I want us to all come together. College football community, listen to me. And let's come together. Let's make a consensus here. We're going to make a consensus on what matters and what doesn't. And this might be the last rant we have for today. We'll probably save the picks for another pod here. But here's my here's my little <laughs> rant, rant away, King. Here's here's my little rant. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna decide on a number of things that either matter or they don't matter. And the number one thing that sits probably, you know, in my craw the most and really bothers me is the early season losses. Oh, this, let's hear this, it. And this non-con stuff, okay? I don't care how people w- want to look at these games, but we're going to do it consistently, and they're either going to matter or they're not going to matter. And I'm going to give you an example. I missed it by one week, but I think I was proven right with Oregon's loss, Okay. I could not stand for the past couple of weeks how we would hear about how Oregon, oh, it was the first game of the season and it was a one-off and it was Dan Lanning's first game as head coach and Bo Nix needs, needs to figure out a new offense and we don't know who this team is. So the fact that they got beat 49-3 to after Georgia, Georgia called off the no pun intended dogs that, okay, you know, uh, that that game doesn't matter. But then, but then we go to Georgia's strength of schedule and Georgia's big wins, oh, Georgia had a massive week one win against number six, Oregon. Like, oh, Let's decide. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's decide. Either this game mattered or it didn't. It can't because only it, matter to the winner. Yeah, we can't, we can't basically, because then I hear all these things, well, oh, Michigan has benefited from, you know, not playing anyone in the non-conference. Really? We have? Because it sounds to me like that if we, first of all, I would love a shot at Bama this year. Oh yeah, give me seven. I think, I think we'd get them, and what I would want I would want to play at Bama, because if apparently if we play Bama week one, we can lose seventy nothing, especially at Bama. And guess what? Oh, JJ McCarthy's first game starting. Oh my gosh, we don't know. They they have a new offensive. Oh, Jesse Minter first first game is defensive head coach, defensive coordinator. Listen, I don't care how you want to do it. I think it's a mix of both. I think there is a factor of week one, but you can't just tell me that Oregon team didn't almost lose by 50 in basically the first three quarters. 
Yeah, you so, can't, don't speak out of both sides of your mouth. You got it. You got to choose one or the other. We got to choose one or the other with, with these early season games. Okay. If you want to call these non-conferences strong, blah, blah, blah. Cool. Well, then the games matter. Okay. When you get blown out week one, you still got blown out. Hot take. It doesn't matter who wins or who loses. What matters is if you're in the SEC. If you're in the SEC, holy cow, you know, oh my gosh, your strength of schedule is so good. Um, if you're, if you're over on the West coast, yeah. Doesn't yeah. matter. Yep. So that's that's number one. I just can't stand that. We're gonna we're gonna come to a consensus and we're gonna decide um either it matters, either it doesn't, or it's somewhere in between, but we can't have it both ways. Number two, home games. It's a big deal in college. Okay. I'll completely acknowledge the fact that Michigan beating Penn State by you know what I think 41 17, right? A big win. And big win in Ohio State's game. You're comparing apples to oranges. Same team, oh, yeah. but home and away games. They're completely different. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good teams rarely, rarely lose at home. Look at Clemson. Clemson is not that good. And they've won thir- they they won until last weekend 30 or they've won 30 some home games in a row. I mean, that's part of being an elite program. You win on your home field. So I, even though they play in the SEC, let's not forget LSU has a 27-point loss at home. I don't understand how we can think now that those t- that team can play with any of the big boys. And I'm not talking about Alabama, okay? I don't care that they beat Alabama by one point on a two-point conversion, okay? Good win, solid win, okay? Um, we, we all know that it's not the same Bama team they have been. Bama's probably a little overrated this year, just like the rest of the SEC. But you're trying to tell me that we're going to put LSU into a game with people like Tennessee on a neutral field. They played one of those games at home and got crushed. So home games matter. We should be thinking about that. I mean, they clearly matter when it's UCLA and you lose at home to, you lose at home. You lose by six points. You drop a bunch of spots, and, and you're I done. Get it and I and get it that- if you're LSU, oh, you're in the SEC. So there, you know, there's got to there's got to be a little more consistency here. I get that Arizona is a bad team, and Tennessee is not. But the way you lose in big games matters. Okay, I'll give you that. Oregon, I'm with you. You barely lost that game. I don't think you should be penalized as much as a team that loses at home big. You still lost at home. But when you lose at home and you lose big, you're not ready for, you're not ready for these games yet. So we got to think about that with LSU uh, a little bit. Um, and then finally, coming around to like the, the, the SEC thing we're talking about. Um, if you think that the SEC – has four of the eight best college football teams, you're not watching enough college football. You're not watching the games. It is, it, in my opinion, it is laziness. It is laziness of seeing names of teams that have done well in the past and thinking that, oh, they must be good now. And again, it's called the Bamatational poll, okay? Where it's not only about if you played Bama, 
It's about if a team that you have played has played Bama. Basically, Bama has elevated the entire Big 12 conference this year. I'm telling you, the Bama rule is Bama lives in the top 10. They're either at the top two, but the lowest they can go is the top 10. And the only teams allowed to rise above Bama are those who have beaten Bama. And so those teams are in the SEC. And then you get this clog of teams who have beaten Bama, regardless of Bama is good or not, because Bama's stuck in the top 10, and everybody who beats them moves above. And you get this trickle upwards of SEC just clogging the top eight. Like, there's no way you'd think that there are four teams in the SEC that are better than Clemson or four teams in the SEC that are better than Clemson and Penn State and Utah and Oregon and North Carolina. You think there's four teams that are all in the same conference, all just beat each other, are better than all of those teams confidently, and you're going to put them all in the top eight? Even though some of them have two losses? So let's, you know, the only thing that the SEC doesn't have right now is the highest ranked three loss team. They have the highest ranked undefeated team. They have the highest ranked one loss team. They have the highest ranked two loss team. They have the second highest ranked two loss team. It goes on. So, you know, what I think we make really it make have sense. To, yeah. Just make, make any of it, make any of it make sense. Um, and I think that I can only, I've wa- I watch more big 10 football than I do any other conference. And again, what I would say is it is the Penn state factor. Just explain to me, just someone, you know, if we want to talk about losses at, you know, Ohio State's second best team in the country, Michigan's the third best team in the country. Those are the losses. Penn State, when they got to play Ohio State at home, they were winning in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Winning the game. And it was not like a... It wasn't a fluky game. It wasn't like a two-pick sixes, and all of a sudden, Penn State's ahead. It was like a... They they were being better than them. It was like, Ohio State better, you know, do the Ohio... Like, they better go back in and get the Space Jam Kool-Aid and drink the secret stuff, and CJ Stroud better come out and throw some bombs to Marvin Harrison, or they might lose this game. How and then they it? lost, and then they lost at Michigan. So what? What I want to know is those are the that those have to be the two best losses in the country. So explain to me how Oregon demolishes. Sorry, Georgia demolishes Oregon, and Michigan beats Penn State handedly. And they drop Penn State more from that loss combined with an Ohio State loss. Then they drop Oregon for the Georgia loss and Washington. Make it make sense. Yeah, the the, the Penn State disrespect is. I mean, I I legitimately think on a neutral field, it is almost a coin flip. And I know I say that about a lot of these teams, but I'm just trying to say like, even like uh, particularly Penn state, because they've at least Penn state, at least we have metrics that they've, that they have played the big boys. When Penn state, 
Ready? We'll do a little sample. Two best teams in the country are Georgia and uh, Ohio State. Penn State's at five. I mean, Tennessee's at five. Okay? So Tennessee goes to LSU. Ohio State goes to Penn State. It's the closest thing we have between these two two-loss teams, right? We got a two-loss LSU in the SEC. We got a two-loss Big Ten team. These are the closest tests that we have. Everyone's been saying, Tennessee, high-powered offense. Ohio State, high-powered offense. They're very similar teams. They're very similar teams in their build, in their strengths, in their weaknesses. Great quarterbacks, put up a ton of numbers, can have big chunk pass plays at one time, Heisman candidates, defense is a little shaky. Ohio State's defense is actually even better than Tennessee's guys, by the way. By the way, the committee wants balance. You know, Ohio State's defense is a little better, okay? Penn State is winning, has a chance to win, legitimately win in the fourth quarter against Ohio State. LSU looked like they had a bunch of JV guys who forgot their cleats when they played against Tennessee at home. And how is Alabama sitting at eight with Penn State at 11? Like, like... How is their resume better than Penn State's? Again, what and again when you go because to the Bama. and again because let's and let's go back just to prove because now what we're gonna do is you know the committee likes to mix in weeks. Let's go back before the old miss game. Before the old miss game. Because now they're gonna say, Oh, they have a ranked they have a ranked win. They have a ranked win. How are they up there they before? Didn't last week. Yeah. They didn't last week. The only reason they're there is because you put them there last week. Last week their best win was against Mississippi State. And guess what? You can't convince me the Mississippi State is better than almost any of the teams in the Big Ten West. I'm telling Purdue, you, if you have Bama, Minnesota, if you have Bama where I think they should be, which is probably outside the top ten, everybody else's best win starts to feel a little suspect. Completely agree. So that's that, that's the end of that rant. We'll, we'll see what happens here, but it's it is just um, Nittany Lions. I feel for you. But I think I think you're in a decent position here, and I think that hope I hope you get one of those SEC in in the bowl game. But we all know what happens, right? What happens in the bowl game? End of end of the rant here. Two things, two distinct things happen in the bowl game that you can't tell me are not true. Number one, oh well, guys sit out. Guys, guys sit out the game, so we don't really. Oh, if Penn State blows out Bama or something, uh, well, the Bama guys are all getting ready for the draft, okay? So are the Penn State guys. Second thing, where where are Bama and Penn State going to play? I bet you they're going to play in sunny Alabama or sunny Florida. Yeah, I think there's a pretty are good Are they going to play in the snow in at home in Penn State? Are they ever going to go on the road to the Midwest, maybe do it in a Midwest hometown? Nope. Yep. So listen, so everybody, you guys all you guys just wait. I what's gonna happen? Oh, college football play what happens when we expand the playoff? What's gonna happen? More teams are gonna get in. From my understanding, and I could be wrong, one thing that's gonna happen is that the conference winners in those first round in those like round games, I think they're gonna play them in their home stadiums. Or at least that was under consideration. Yep. It's that's happening. what I that's what I heard. It's happening, baby. So guess what? I cannot wait. Can't wait. Bart Scott. Can't wait. I'm telling you to have those SEC schools come up here and see a little snow. And you know what? I hope they bring Paul Feinbaum with him. Okay? Make sure he's got a scarf. Give him some gloves. Give him some hand warmers. You know he's going to need it. 
come up and play with the big boys. You know, for damn sure, first year they have that, somebody's playing on the road, probably at night, in the snow, in either Columbus or Ann Arbor. You can book it. It's happening. Tune in. Watch them melt. And when do they play the playoff games? January. Sorry, Saban. They're not in September. All right. Come so on down. I hope that this. I hope that this circulates when we get to the point where we're having Big Ten home games in on January second or whatever it is, December sixteenth. Can't wait. Bring back Wisconsin. Give me Wisconsin in the snow against somebody like Florida. Oh, it's going to be different. All right, Kev. This has been real. Let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. Well, thank all of you for tuning in here. This was your week 11 recap from First and Inches, sponsored by Milwaukee Tool. Nothing but heavy duty. If you like the pod, you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at firstandinchespod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from each and every last one of you. Well, with that, everyone enjoy your Wednesday action, and we'll get you a pick pod later on this week. Cheers. Cheers.